Welcome to Season 2 of the Elevate with Grace podcast for women who are short on time and long to take steps to create success on their own terms. This podcast is here for women who feel overworked, underappreciated and stuck in the constant swirl of spinning plates. We take the plethora of intel out there and curate it into the highest value insights. We combine it with our lived experiences to offer bite-sized, actionable tips so you can look back at the end of this quarter at the end of this year, knowing that you are working towards achieving success on your own terms. Welcome everyone to season two, episode two. My name is Miranda and with me is the refreshingly honest and amazingly talented Claire. Last episode, we dove into why this is the right time to be having brave conversations. We offered loads of statistics on the current state of play, which could help your fetch library in getting curious about all of your options. And as a perfect follow-up this week, we're going to tackle how to have them and the stories that you might be telling yourself to avoid having fake conversations. At the end of this episode, we hope you walk away with a toolkit on how to have that brave conversation. Our action challenge this week is to take the weekend to plan out your next brave conversation. Stepping out the facts, and you'll see this play out in this episode, and schedule in this time to have the conversation within the next two weeks. Our challenge to you, everyone. In this episode, we will share some tips on how to plan, ideas on how to tackle these conversations, and some big not-what-to-dos, like bringing an emotionally charged battery ram into the room with you. Like any good negotiation, consider these conversations as an exploration of what's possible. It's been a big couple of weeks for me, having clarity around my values and vision, holding tight to my focus of creating this year, and listening to that inner voice around the noise of all of those voices in your head, has been really important. I've found that pausing and meditating for 20 minutes to reduce all of those unnecessary conversations has been super helpful. And with the type of meditation I try, which is called light force meditation, it also helps to give focus and energy to my day, which has really helped me tackle the kind of brave conversations that we are talking about. I'm also trying to revert back to the responses of great, energized and ready for anything that I used to do when I was asked how I'm going rather than my default answer at the moment, which is, oh my gosh, so hectic, or gosh, I can't believe how busy I am. So I'm a work in progress. How are you going, Claire? And what's been going on for you? I have had a great couple of weeks, thank you. I love that one of your micro habits that you've been building into your day is about having 20 minutes of pausing and meditating to get control of those internal conversations that we have in our heads. And it's funny because paying attention to and catching my inner dialogue has been a focus for me these last couple of weeks too. I've been pairing that up with spending 20 minutes at the start and the end of the week to write down how I will win the week. And then when I get to the end of the week, reflecting on the things that I did well across the week that's been. For me, that's been about setting realistic expectations for myself and being generous and kind about getting that balance right between my work accountabilities, my personal accountabilities, and making sure that I'm dedicating some time in my week to get some progress happening on those activities that will be moving me in the right direction of getting my life set up in a way so it's successful for me on my terms. Like you mentioned, that blur and whir of hectic and busy we really don't want to be 
in a space where 2022 becomes that way for me. So I'm spending a lot of time high-fiving myself regularly on not going into that mode, being happy for the stuff that I have achieved, being kind to myself and getting that balance right between getting loads of work done and feeling energized at the end of each week. I really like that you're being kind to yourself. I think that's so important and we just don't do it enough, do we? We're not kind to ourselves. I saw this morning, March 2 is the Australian Be Kind Day. Is a day for Be Kind. I'm going to be yeah. kind to everyone else, but also be kind to yourself. So important. Be Kind Day, awesome. I'm going to make the most of that. I have also loved doing some more research about courageous conversations, what they are, why we need to have them, and how important they are. For me, it's both a really powerful and empowering concept, and I'm getting pretty pumped up about believing that great conversations can really help us change our world and the world around us. So let's get into it. From our last episode, episode one from a couple of weeks ago, we spoke a bit about all of the buzz going on at the moment around the great resignation, great reflection, great reset. I saw a McKinsey article this week that says that nearly two-thirds of US-based employees that they surveyed have commented that COVID-19 has caused them to reflect on their purpose in life. Nearly half of those surveys said that they are reconsidering the kind of work that they're doing because of the pandemic. So if we want to make brave changes in our lives, understanding what courageous conversations look and feel like and how to prepare, plan and have them can really help us become much more effective at getting the outcomes that we want and steering our lives towards one that we've created by design rather than we're just going through the motions and living by default. I really am getting into the concept that how valuable it is. The other thing we touched on in our last pod that I wanted to just quickly recap on here is that staying silent on what matters to us and suppressing our voice and our inner courage and inner power, it can really negatively impact our health and well-being and contribute to us more quickly jumping on that burnout bus, which a lot of us have to be wary of being on at the moment anyway. There's heaps of articles and books that talk about brave conversations. I've found there's a lot of great intel out there and a lot of it is really helpful. Before we start diving into how to have the courageous conversations, because we do like like our hounds, don't we, Miranda? Absolutely. There's actually quite a bit of hard work that we have to do first within ourselves and have some courageous conversations with ourselves before we are even ready to start having them with others. I don't know what your thoughts about that are. Absolutely. I think I've seen this in coaching and managing others over the years. I'm probably lean on the side of leaping into a a difficult conversation pretty quickly. I still get an anxiety. I still feel a little bit nostalgic and funny about it, but I've always believed I don't want to leave the table dying not knowing what something what the outcome was. But it's definitely been something that I've really seen managing others is that what's the play? There's a lot of reasons I think that people don't come to the table and largely fear-based. But I think also maybe making the assumption that their voice doesn't matter. I mean, you said about the suppressing the voice and not having that voice heard. Your voice matters and it matters more importantly to you. So for you not to want to share that with others, is doing them a disservice, but it's also doing yourself such a big disservice. So just thinking about why we don't have difficult conversations, I think sometimes we only think of the negative outcome. And we saw this last season when we were talking about taking risks. It's like, oh, I'm not going to do that because it could go really badly. 
We're not thinking about it could go really well. And it would be amazing. Actually, I think it, we're actually conditioned to more focus on the negative things. Mm. We're, we're trying to protect ourselves. So I think our default is to go to worrying about the bad things that might happen and protecting ourselves from there. And we really need to be conscious of the fact that that is happening to us and counterbalance that with some of the tough things of, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the, what, we, what we're trying to achieve out of these brave conversations, right? Absolutely. I mean, what, what is it that we need to make changes in our lives so we're living more happier, filling lives and look to anchoring ourselves on that yeah. idea? And the people listening to this podcast, they want to be managers, they want to be leaders, they want to kind of run organisations. You cannot do that without having a voice and telling people what you think and jumping into those brave conversations. This is essential to achieve any kind of success on your own terms. Yeah, and being really skilled at helping others as a leader, helping others have those brave conversations. Yeah, yeah. So I think we also worry that others are going to feel poorly of us because we're not just touring the company line. That potentially if we open that Pandora's box, that things will come out that we don't want to hear. I think that's a really important part of going into a brave conversation is that you're only one side of that conversation and you've got to be very empathetic and respectful to the other point of view too. We'll go into that in a little bit more detail. I think sometimes we think we already know what the outcome will be. So we've already gone, but there's no point having this conversation because they've already made a decision and I'm not going to be heard and no, there's no point, um, which I completely disagree with, but I do understand why people get a little bit disenfranchised at times. I wonder, though, whether there's also an element, uh, take your point, I think sometimes we think, agree that sometimes we question whether there is a point. We think we've tried to have brave conversations, but there is a lot of elements to a courageous conversation. It's not about just being totally ballsy and just getting out what you think and being all very demanding and all that sort of stuff. That's not a courageous conversation. It's There's a lot of art that goes into having a courageous conversation. So I think we need to make sure that we're understanding that definition. Uh, I mentioned the book last week and I think it's a really good resource for helping you have um, courageous conversations and it's called Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott. And what Susan talks about, which I found really interesting and I think I can definitely relate to what if I reflect back on personal relationships and professional relationships, essentially she talks about incremental degradation of our conversations. I had this image in my mind of where we're sliding down a slow-moving waterfall over time. And so Scott says that once we start to compromise at work or at home, maybe we think we're not going to get the outcome or we're fearful and all of the things that you've already mentioned, Miranda. But then once we start to lower our standards about how often we talk, what we talk about, the authenticity that we're bringing to our conversations, we quickly head down a bit of a slow and deadly slide. So many work teams and couples have a list of undiscussables, essentially issues that they avoid broaching at all costs in order to preserve a bit of peace. That usually is well-intended attempt to preserve relationships, right, and to keep the peace in those relationships. In reality, though, our relationships are actually steadily deteriorating because they're lacking the very conversations that we're being so careful to avoid. And that is impacting the connectiveness that we're feeling to others, like really having those proper conversations, being authentic and understanding the different points of view. 
And if that slide has lasted over a period of years, it can be really hard to bring bravery back into our conversations. So you've come down this slow waterfall slippery slide and then you turn around and you look up and you're like, oh, geez, if I want to have that conversation with my boss, with my life partner, with my colleagues or whoever it is, I've now got to a position where the conversation is almost so superficial, the crackles, and then to have to like then brave into a big conversation, that's a big step. And so you need to think about the approach that you're going to take. Every conversation counts, but it might take a few conversations to get back into a situation where you and the person that you want to be really working through some of this stuff with are moving back to a place of authenticity and bravery. It might not just happen in one conversation. I found that fascinating to think about, especially I think there's a few articles at the moment about being in a virtual world can make us do that a fair fair bit more. Go, oh, you know, whatever, I'll just put myself on mute and I'm tired and I don't really want to face into that. So I think the more we've done that, actually we've got a little bit of work to do to get back on track in those relationships before we can maybe even have a deeply brave conversations that we want to do. Like it's a bit of a process there, I think. Yeah, and I think that that does tie in really well to making a really clear plan. And what you've referred to, that is recognising that there has been a time to this. So if you just leap into a conversation with the assumption that that person has had the same time to process, to think, to plan as you have, you're doing them a disservice. So I can definitely see hey, this is how I want to discuss this. I'm going to lay down some points. I'm going to go away and let you think about that and then I'm going to come back to it. And so we'll talk about that a little bit more in the planning phase because so often we've built this thing up over months or years and then all of a sudden we just go, well, and the other person's like, well, well, hang on, I thought we were fine. They hadn't gone on that slippery slope, which is where emotions comes in really well. If you're going to have a brave conversation, it needs to be in a neutral energy zone. So you've got to find a way of dealing with some of the emotional stuff with your friend, with somebody else before you go into having this brave conversation with your partner or with your colleagues, et cetera. Because I can't think of a time when somebody's come at me with this really full-on and most emotional burst that you've been able to match the energy level, right? And it doesn't help the conversation, it hinders it. Because if you attack somebody, they're going to get defensive. And so it's really important that we think about the emotional state that we bring to a conversation and think about how you want to show up. So if you're like, you said this and you said this and you did this and I mean this and or else this is going to happen, well, you're putting that person in a really scary dark corner and most humans are going to respond back to that. So I want to think about that. Brene Brown's latest book, Atlas of the Heart, where she navigates, I don't know, it's like 50 or something different states and emotions that we experience. I've been flipping through some of the concepts in there. And what you say about emotions is very interesting because towards the back of the book, Brene talks about She sets out a model on how to cultivate meaningful connection, which I see there's a lot of synergies between, like in order to have brave conversations, it's a prerequisite that you are cultivating meaningful connections. You can't have one without the other. Um, And so she's got some really fascinating analysis at the back where she talks about the skills that we need for cultivating meaningful connection. So there's a whole bunch of them. But for example, a few skills are staying curious, feeling embodied and connected to ourselves, And that is connected to your emotions, but not being carried away with your emotions, but you, you feel the emotions. 
And another one that actually resonated with me a little bit, it's called practicing non-judgment. And, and there's, it's like a big table and talked about the, the skills that you need for cultivating meaningful connection. And then there's another set of skills right next to them, which are called near enemies of those skills. And near enemies are similar to the desired quality we need for meaningful connection, but they actually undermine it. I hope I'm explaining this well. It's quite a difficult concept to grasp, but it's really powerful. So for example, the near enemy of staying curious is that the behavior you will be doing is challenging and criticizing instead of exploring and contributing. So you think you're being curious, like, you know, curiosity is really wanting to know the answers, really paying attention to what the other person is saying and feeling. Are you doing that? Or are you actually challenging and criticizing, waiting to speak? Um, and they're very subtle differences. The other one was to develop meaningful connection. You have to practice non-judgment, practice coming from a non-judgmental space and not just performing non-judgment. And so we might be thinking that we're there practicing non-judgment and telling ourselves that that's where we are. But if we really pay attention in the back of the mind, are we actually judging, comparing, blaming, distancing when we're having that conversation with the person? I just found that concept interesting and very critical to doing that self-reflection that we talked about. Am I really in a place where I'm ready to have a brave conversation, which also involves knowing what I feel about them, but not bringing that emotionally charged stuff that you meant to in the room? And when we get our back up, we'll go into defensive mode. We'll start negotiating as opposed to be curious. Exactly. Because we're feeling attacked and we're not comfortable in the conversation. So, yeah, it's it's very good. And I think it goes to the next step, which is this idea of fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Mm. LinkedIn Learning has a course around leading with a growth mindset from Karen Allen. And that concept of if you try and curious with a fixed mindset, you're going to have very rigid expectations and you're not seeking to learn from the conversation. You're just trying to convey what you need. And if you go in with a fixed mindset, you're going to be delivering that. Like, I'm very rigid. I won't move through this. And then you're going to assume very quickly that the person isn't listening or doesn't get it, as opposed to a growth mindset where you're open to other people's points of view. You're avoiding quick judgments. You're leaving your expectations at the door and you'll be very curious about the conversation that you're having and what the outcomes could be together. So you're working on the same side of the bench, I think is the conversation. Like you're both sitting here going, I've got this problem I want you to help me solve. And that can be about your pain. That can be about your flexible working arrangements, but it's coming from a place where you can already feel that the energy of the ring's going to change because you're asking somebody to help you with this solution. I love that you've brought growth growth mindset into this and fixed mindset because Carol Dweck, love it all. And I've been in work situations where they've brought in some growth mindset training. And I distinctly remember when we were doing this training, there's elements to growth mindset and some of them will come easier to you in terms of having a growth mindset and some of them might be tricky. And it's about knowing which ones might be personally difficult for you to uh, get involved. And one of them is being aware of how you respond to feedback. So for whatever reason, over the course of your life, have developed having worked in financial services, I've got pretty used to getting some pretty brutal feedback over the last 15 years. So I've learned more feedback to take on, feedback's a gift. I've worked through a fair bit of that stuff. But 
there's a lot of people that haven't. And so it can be really tricky for people to accept constructive feedback. And so if you're not aware of that, then they can quickly, even if they are wanting to be in a positive growth mindset perspective, if you're triggering one of those things that really make them pull back, like they have trouble taking on constructive feedback, you need to think about those things and plan those things before you're going into the conversation. Otherwise, you're not going to have the conversation that you want to have, right? Absolutely. And that actually ties really nicely to my next point, which is around thinking about the person that you're delivering the information to. We hear about aggressive or passive-aggressive people, but I think there's a lot more in our conversation styles than that. And I found a profile, it's called the DISC profile, and I was thinking about people that were enthusiastic versus fairly risk-adverse, and this profile fit quite nicely. DISC, dominant influencer, conscientious and steady. And so if you're going to somebody, hurrying energy, who is a conscientious person, meaning that they're quite reserved, they're risk-adverse, they're process orientated, and you're trying to give them your whole life story to be able to get to, I need this from you, that's just going to throw them off completely. They just need to understand, how is this going to help the, the company line? They're a bit risk adverse, so you need to deliver to them how this is going to help them. If it's a hybrid working role, maybe it'll check in with you once a day or you know, whatever that is. So dominant is decisive, efficient, result-oriented. Influencer is enthusiastic, persuasive, relationship-oriented. So that is somebody that you want to give a little bit of background, a bit of context to. The conscientious we discussed. And then steady is relaxed, supportive, friendly, and thorough. And just even with those definitions, you can see that you're going to have to have a different rate conversation with a different type of person. A really important part of your planning is making sure that we think about those people and we think about what we're going to be delivering. I think you and I would seem could talk about this for hours and hours. It is fascinating stuff, though. And it, I just think in today's world, especially after what we've been through with COVID, there's a lot of conversations. We, we do want to see change in our lives. We have reflected on what we want. And I really am of a strong view after the conversations we've been having over the podcast and looking at this stuff, that understanding all of the elements of what makes up a brave conversation, the skills that you need to pick up in yourself, be able to then even broach brave conversations and have them successfully. There's a lot in there. Thinking about growth mindset, thinking about grounded connection and having meaningful connection with people and how that works. Thinking about non-judgment, thinking about you may have gone down a bit of a slippery slope of not having great conversations with this person in your life for months or years even. And so it's going to take a bit of work to get back up there So I think there's heaps of things that we need to do. One of Susan Scott's first of seven principles in her Fierce Conversations book is to master the courage to interrogate reality. So that's a good way to summarize all of the stuff that we've been talking about. We are also here to talk about how do we have brave conversations. We've thought about the bigger picture of what it looks like to to get into that space of creating an environment where we can have brave conversations. What do you think is some yeah. important things on how to approach it? So I think that the how is actually, you know, obviously what we're here for and the, the fun part really. But once your headspace is sorted and uh, given some thought to the person that you're conversing with, then it's plan, plan, plan. First, you want to make sure that you're thinking about the neutral story. There's the story that you're telling yourself. There's the other person's story. And then there's the neutral story. So there's a book and I've found Difficult Conversations by Douglas Stone. And that's talking about this point. And it gave a good example of a flatmate who does a clean up kitchen. So 
So you might think that they're a messy slob. They're thinking you're a clean freak. And the neutral story could be that your definition of clean looks different from them. So that's agreeing on what we're both comfortable with going forward. And just even that neutral story, it doesn't become an attack on the person. It becomes the facts and how we can help solve that together. And if you think about bringing that into your how, then we start to roll with something that we can work with. I think that's so good because let's face it, I don't know the stats, I'm making it up. Surely something like 95% of us have a situation where we have clean freak, messy freak, issue on the personal friend. To think about it from that perspective is a great way to go, right, when you started to plan your fears conversations, it's a clean freak talking to a messy freak potentially. How do we have a really good conversation? Yeah, an example to understand what we mean by that. And of course, it does apply to everything. It applies to, I want to pay or I need more flexible working hours or I want to work in a hybrid situation. You can definitely see that what you need, what your employer needs, and you can find something that's in the middle to start with, which is let's talk about how we can create a more flexible environment for me to thrive in. So to get this started, I think we, we say this a lot, but we really do need to write down your plan. Think about who you're talking to. And I truly put some prompts to keep you on point. Sometimes when you go into these negotiations or break conversations, you can get a little bit derailed. And so having it written down, having something that can ground you is really important. Record the neutral story. So try and find that neutral story and record it. You can put the story that you're telling yourself down first and maybe the story you think that they're telling themselves or that they might tell themselves. Remember, they haven't had this conversation 10 times in their head already. So you're going to have to catch them up and then record that neutral story. List out the facts as you know them. And I think appreciate that it's as you know them. There is always going to be another side to this. So try and make note of what that other side could be. Avoid any personal statements and any assumptions that help what you think others think of you or others think of the situation. Assumptions are the worst enemy of a brave conversation. Put in some thoughts around some multiple ideal outcomes. Now, this is hard, right? Because we want this. That's it. That's what we're going to do. Now, that's a fixed mindset. What you're looking for here is let's think about some broad options. So if something gets shut down, we've still got three to play with. Really try and consider what those thought starters are and they're going to come to you maybe over a process of a couple of days. So put down what you think, have a sleep on it and then come back and see what's still resonating. And then consider the time that you would like to see the outcome by. There's nothing worse than leaving a meeting with, look, we'll think about it and come back to you. Try and put a timeline around it and then you can adjust that in the meeting, but make sure that you remember those timeframes as you go. So when it's conversation time, You want to make sure that you're bringing a really positive, open, ready-to-learn self to the conversation. Bring your whole self, and you said it before, about making sure that you're being kind and that you're also listening and and taking on what that other person is sharing as well. Your whole world is not crashing down in this brave conversation. So start with, I appreciate that we're doing X right, and I'd really like to see if we can make Y work better so holistically everything's lying a bit further. So much nicer conversation that Everything's just not working. You could do something like, I really appreciate the trust afforded to me at the workplace. While I've worked hard for this, you've also taken some leaps of faith for me. And I'm grateful for that. I would like to see this extended to more flexibility across my week. It's a nice conversation to have. Yeah, you're starting on a base of we're all the same team. You're going to get some responses back. You might not like all of them. So then aim to ask questions. And to use open-ended clarifying points to ensure that what you've heard is what the other party meant. 
So what I am hearing is that you believe X. From my viewpoint, I think I can help alleviate that concern by checking in with you at key project intervals, et cetera. Trying to those calm conversations as you go. If you need to also go, what I'm hearing is this, let me come back to you after I've thought about how I can address that. It doesn't all have to happen straight away. Don't make it personal. Try and keep to the facts. Really seek to remove the individual and to solve the problem together. Pause when you need and refer back to your plan. Leave that time to digest. Negotiation is communication. So as much context and colour that you can provide is going to be really helpful. And we said it before, but don't feel that everything has to be solved in this conversation. If your conversation's going off track, if you can sense that you're feeling a little bit unsettled, just say, I'm going to digest what's been shared. Let's take a break and revert back in an hour, in a day, in a week. And remember your timeframes from the plan and set them out. Even if you're going to pause the conversation, let's pause this for a day. I'd literally like to have this resolved by the end of the week. So this all sounds good, but there is so much that can get in the way. And there's the things that are going to really hinder your conversation. Claire, you shared an excellent piece from Life Hack this week that resonated so well with me. Yes, there was quite a succinct article that I found in Lifehack, seven keys to having courageous conversations with anyone. A lot of it we've talked about, get an awareness of your fears so you're able to deal with them when you're planning the conversation and also within the conversation. Another thing is to make sure you've also got a handle on when your ego might pop up. Now, ego is not a dirty word, okay? Ego, like fears, are there to protect us and help us. But fears and ego can also get in the way of us being able to be objective on the we element of the relationship. How do we find the common ground between the neat freak and the messy freak? And we get really into that me and I space if we're not checking our ego. So you can be conscious of it when it happens in the meeting so you can continue your conversation and put it to the side. The other thing that is important is be prepared to experience discomfort. You mentioned, Miranda, you have to be in the right headspace to have this conversation. If you wake up that morning and the wheels fall off life for whatever reason, I don't know, car breaks down, what happened to me on the way here? I'm on the train for two hours because there was a couple of incidents on the train. Whatever it is, it could be anything. If it's putting you in a space where you're not able to experience the discomfort and be clear about what you're saying, be honest with that person and push the conversation back. This is a really important conversation for me. I have not had a great start to my morning. Can we please reschedule till tomorrow so we can have a better conversation that way? The, the seventh point is actually seven things to avoid doing. First one, don't talk too much. Mm-hmm. And then tied to that is to make sure your message is not vague or unclear. Pay attention to the other person's feelings, like we've said. And you can do that in virtual meetings as well. The cues are more subtle, but if you've minimised yourself and you maximise the screen as much as you can, if you're looking carefully at the person, even through a Zoom screen, you can get a lot of feedback. Um, you can turn off self-view. And, yep, that was another tip that I saw, like to turn off self-view. I think that's really good. Don't start the conversation by, so how's it going? If you had a great day, start the conversation with, this is a tough conversation. Don't oversimplify the issue and don't get caught off guard. Stay calm, keep your tone neutral. As you mentioned, Miranda, pause where you need to, take a glass of water, stop the conversation if you need to. Just 
do whatever you need to do to make sure that you're staying on point and having that really open, courageous, constructive conversation to get the the best out of it. That's a great tip. And I think for many of the hardest one is don't talk too much, right? There is a really bad habit to feel the space of awkwardness. Yes. And so actually enjoying that space, using it in that and collecting your own thoughts while they're collecting theirs is a powerful move if you can harness it. We're not going to be amazing, courageous conversationalists like tomorrow after we've all listened to this podcast. It's a practice, right? So you probably will ramble a little bit. Be kind to yourself and be honest and say, oh, I think I'm getting off track here a little bit. I just need a moment to collect my thoughts. So you love it. Fantastic tips I think we've shared. I just want to remind everyone of the action challenge now that we've given you some of these ideas to digest. And there's a lot of steps that we've just run through. So I'm going to make sure that they're in the show notes and they're on our website. Please do refer to those. And reach out if there's anything that you know, you'd like to highlight for either of us. So in terms of our action challenge, remember you're taking the weekend to plan out your brave conversation, stepping out the facts, scheduling in the time to have that conversation within the next two weeks. Let's just rip off that band-aid and get it happening, ladies. In this episode, we've shared some ideas around preparing both to plan in advance and then some steps to think about while you're having that conversation. So I really encourage you to write those down and be ready for that conversation. And we just wish you the best of luck. There is nothing bad that is going to come out of a brave conversation. You're either going to know where you stand or you're going to see an improvement in your life. Like, win-win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All that energy and vibes are pointing in your direction over the coming weeks, months, year for you to get curious about the courageousness in your conversations that you're having at work and at home. Know that you're not alone Two-thirds people, I'm sure the stats are here in Australia are not dissimilar to the US. Loads of people are thinking about their life purpose and what they want out of life. After the last couple of years, we've all collectively been through for COVID. Really take some brave steps to learn about this stuff. As we've mentioned, all the curated content from today's pod episode will be in the episode notes. So please check them out and dip into some of the stuff that resonates with you. Also, check out our website, elevatewithgrace.com.au or hop on to our Instagram account for more curated content. As Miranda said, we'd love, love, love to hear from you on how you're going or any feedback that you have for us. Please drop us an email at elevatewithgrace at gmail.com. And please like and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends about us if you enjoyed it. In our upcoming podcast over the next month, so in a fortnight's time and then the one after that, we're going to be delving into all of the whys, what's and how's of how we manage our time and our boundaries. So I'm looking forward to getting stuck into time and boundary management. We all need a bit of that. So it's so great to see you and chat with you, Miranda, and we will talk in a fortnight's time. We'll talk in the meantime, but we'll be talking on the podcast in a fortnight's time. (laughs) Thank you so much, Claire. Really enjoyed this episode and I'm so grateful to have this channel to share some great tips on how to have great great conversations. Have a wonderful time, everyone, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. (laughs) 